0: Go down to children's church, or if you're really immature and have trouble paying attention that long. um... (laughs) Oh, this looks staged! (laughs) Hey, get back here! There's not enough room in that classroom. (laughs) Am I really preaching to an empty room now? Like, is that the plan? For everybody on Facebook Live, the whole congregation just laughed. (laughs) Am I really? What am I doing now? I know. (laughs) What am I doing? I. I'm going to follow you. I have speakers in the foyer. <laughs> I hey Frank and Charlene stayed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I have no idea what prompted that prank. I, April Fools. <laughs> and to think I was almost not going to announce it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, the question is, will everybody come back? Or are we going to be missing half the congregation now? Is that they're getting coffee You know these people are watching on Facebook live, and all they can see is me turning red and <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> Alright, let's pray in preparation for the message. I think we are missing people now. <laughs> oh, all the kids. And I assume whoever organized this is also in children's church. Um, <laughs> actually, I noticed Vic wasn't back yet, but here he comes. So, that was... <laughs> let's... Uh, Let's, uh, let's pray in preparation for the preaching of the word this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you be with us. Uh, um, thank you, Lord, for the, the folks who are here, that, that we can laugh together, that, we can, that we, can, um, we can have fun together, we can celebrate together, that, that we're here to remember that, that your son has risen, that, that um, we have hope for tomorrow, that, that all of the blessing that, that you've, you've given us, Lord, that it's all true and, and, and we can trust and hope in that. I pray that you'd be with us uh, this evening, I, or this afternoon, help me to help me to, um, to unpack the Word and be faithful as I do so, and I pray for the folks who are here that you'd touch their hearts and their minds and their souls, and just to the very core of who they are, I pray that they would hear from you and know you more by, by hearing the Gospel this morning, by remembering the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, amen. <laughs> a few years back... Um, I, I was uh, I was with my brother in Reno. Uh, my family lives in Reno, and we were out there visiting. And there's a mountain. Has anybody been to Reno? Um, the, there's a mountain there, Mount Rose, and it's it's one of the taller peaks in the Reno area. And my brother, who who runs marathons, if you ever meet him, you'll you'll wonder how I'm related to him, um, <laughs> because he's the the smart, mature, well-spoken one, um, and I'm me. Um, but he, he runs marathons. And for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to climb this mountain with my brother. And, and so we, we went out and we, uh, we started early in the day and, and um, had a whole circus figuring out how to get on the path to climb the mountain. And that's another story I'm not going to share right now. Um, but we, we started out, it was a 20-mile hike, right? And so you would hike up one mountain, cross a ridge onto Mount Rose, and then circle this thing through switchbacks and, and whatnot until you get to the very top. And and it was it was a long walk. Like I I hadn't thought about it. I get tired walking up the stairs to get to my front door, and and you know this is this is a twenty mile uphill walk. And and I remember as we walked up from a distance, when you were standing on the other mountain before you crossed the ridge, you could look up and see Mount Rose out there, and it was beautiful. The peak of this mountain. I mean, I, I guess you all live sort of in the foothills of of um, the Paws, so you understand. I mean the this is a beautiful peak, and I was excited to go up there, and I was really excited until about the 12-mile mark because um, there's a lot, a lot of walking, right? And, and it's a lot of walking uphill, and I didn't pack enough water, and I wore heavy boots because I thought, you know it would be a good idea to wear heavy boots to walk 40 miles? Um, <laughs> and, and I started getting tired, and I started to drag, and my brother, he maintains a pace. Marathon runners are awful people. Um, because they can just go and go and go, and I'm I, I'm stumbling behind him, dying, and, and he's encouraging me, and, and, and I remember at first, when I first started getting tired, all I had to do was stop and look, and I could see the top of the mountain, right? It was exciting. You know, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there. And then after a certain point, you can't see the top of the mountain anymore, because you're, you know right there. And it's when you're most tired that the top of the mountain seems to be gone. But you know it's still there because the top of the mountain can't leave, right? And it's actually a very funny thing. We started walking at the same time as this California fella. He was driving a Prius, if I remember right, but I might just be sissifying him. Um, <laughs> I, I should not have said that. Um, but he was walking and we passed him early and we got up to the top, and we start walking back down, and at the end, it's all switchbacks. And, and we were coming down off the switchbacks, and we passed him, and the guy's like, hey, is it much farther? And I stopped and just deadpan said to him, well, actually, there's a rock slide just a little farther ahead. You can't even get to the top. You can go about 200 more yards, and you know, you'll just have to turn around. You might as well turn around now. And the guy stood there, very exhausted. He looked at me, and he turned around and started walking the other way. <laughs> And I I stopped him. I said, no, I'm kidding. You're like a quarter mile away. You're almost there. Just keep going. You know, stay the course. Um, But I almost talked him out of getting to the end. Like the guy walked 19 and three quarters miles and stopped because I told him he couldn't get to the end. Isn't that nuts? So we're, we're, we're looking at 1 Corinthians, we're talking about Resurrection Sunday. Um, 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and in this letter he deals with questions, right? He had obviously received some correspondence where they, they asked him a whole bunch of questions like, hey, what do we do with this, and this guy's doing this, is that alright, and all of this other stuff, and... And Paul writes back, and he answers all of their questions. And 15 is like kind of at the midpoint, and he answers a problem that's happening in the church. And, and it's about the resurrection, and so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, the series we're working on is is God did this for us. Now, this is a huge deal. It's, it's, it's what Easter is about, ultimately, what Good Friday and Easter is about. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at just kind of the magnitude of of what God did on our behalf with, with Good Friday and Easter. Like, how, how hard it was for him to send his son to die for us, right? How much we don't deserve forgiveness. I mean, you look around you and, you, you know, it's easy to look at the people around you and think, well, I'm better than that guy and I'm better than that guy, so I got a 50-50 chance of making it into heaven. And, and what the scriptures teach us ultimately is none of us deserve it. Like, everybody sins. Everybody falls short of the standard. And ultimately, if we were climbing a mountain to reach God, we would never, ever get there. Um... What is really the case is that God realized we couldn't get there, and he came down to us because he knew we couldn't climb up there. And that is what Good Friday is about. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But by his grace, God sends his son to die a horrible death. And he pours his wrath for our sins out on Jesus. So every wrong thing you've ever done, are doing, or ever will do, every sin, every selfish thought, every wicked thing, poured out on Jesus, and God turned his face from him, and Jesus died alone and in the dark, um, taking punishment for you. Um, Easter is actually, a Good Friday is actually probably the best day of the year, except for Easter. Because if Jesus is just a man who died, and we were, you know, these claims about him, um, that's one thing. But Easter proves to us that Jesus came back. That he was who he was. Like, death is not the end. Every person you know that's passed away, every person you know who's faltering and sick, every person you know who, who's, who you think, man, I wish I could just spend one more day with them, every person like that is eternal. And Jesus is the first fruit to the resurrection. And so Paul is talking about this resurrection because there were people there who were saying, well, there's no resurrection. This does not happen. And this is Paul's letter to that effect. Um, Real quick, the Jewish folks of the first century, and actually still today, are unique. Well, they were unique. Now they're less unique because we believe the same thing. Um, In that they believed in a physical resurrection, right? The world is good, right? God has given us a lot of good things. God has given us coffee. Amen. And coffee is good, right? Coffee is there to be enjoyed. God gave us music, and dancing. And those are things that we're supposed to enjoy, right? But not right now while I'm talking. Um, <laughs> um, God has given us um, beautiful sunsets and sunrises, which we didn't see during the sunrise service, but we missed it by just a few minutes. Um, <laughs> um, like, these things are there to enjoy because the world is a wonderful place, because God made it for us to enjoy. And one day, we will be physically resurrected, and the world will be set right, not broken the way it is, not with never-ending winter, like we seem to be experiencing this year, but set right and perfect without thorns and weeds, um, where crops grow exactly the way they're supposed to, and roofs never leak, and I mean, the world will be made perfect, and we will enjoy it. And that is an amazing promise, but... Everybody else in the ancient world believed there was life after death, but no one believed in a physical resurrection. Um, The Jews were totally unique that way. So, as we dive into the text, that is the context of what we're talking about. And Paul starts out, Now... I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now watch this. So Paul starts out, he says, listen guys, I've answered all these questions, I'm going to remind you of the gospel right now. This is the whole thing, this is a big deal. Believe in this and you are saved, right? And by the way, mind you, I am not saying believe in this and earn it, and you are saved. Because how it works. I'm not saying believe in this and give enough money for Pastor Eric to buy a new hot tub and you will be saved. Although I'm sure God would really appreciate that nice act, um, it won't save you. You cannot, cannot, cannot earn it. It is a gift. And so we believe, and if it's true, we believe to eternity. And if it's not, we believe in vain. We believe like as a waste of our time and energy. Um... For I delivered to you as a first importance, meaning the story I told you, the gospel I preached, is the most important thing I told you, what I also received." That Christ died for our sins according, in accordance with the scripture. That was Good Friday, right? Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He was nailed to a cross. He hung there for six hours. He was stabbed through. His heart was pierced with a, with a Roman spear. He bled and he died. He died on that cross. And he took punishment for our sins. Um, that he was buried, meaning they put him in the ground... Um, and I've, I was recently in Israel, and I stood... There are two places they think that happened. One of them, they built a church on top of it, and so you can't see it, but you can see an altar on top of it. And the other one that they think might have been the spot, you can walk inside and stand there and see the shelves they put the bodies on and everything else. These are real, physical, actual places. Um, he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So... <clears throat> Paul says, hey, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus was risen again. He showed up to Cephas, who's probably Peter, um, and to the twelve, so like the disciples. So these are like the twelve guys, right, that saw him. Um, if I were to stand up and say to you, I did this, gra- actually, Jessica gave me a great example. A few minutes ago, I said that folks could go to children's church and all of you left." I'm going to post that on Twitter later today, and I'm going to bet some people will say, "I'm sure not everybody left," or "I'm sure you're exaggerating. It was one or two people." But my wife, what did you do, hun? <laughs> and so now there are witnesses that, right? That y'all got up and left. Um, in this instance, the scriptures were written during a time when iPhones didn't have cameras yet, right? I mean, they didn't. And so you had to go way back then and rely on other people to say they saw it too. And so he says, hey, the 12 disciples, they saw it. Um, And by the way, those 12, anybody know how many of them died of natural causes? One, the Apostle John, right? And John died in prison. (laughs) The other 11, uh, 10 actually, because I guess Judas hanged himself, so to be fair. um, The other 11 had their heads cut off or were whipped to death or were um, crucified as well, or, I mean, you name it, they went through it. These guys, beaten to death with clubs, starved, imprisoned, chased, the whole nine yards, none of these guys died well. By the way, anybody ever told a lie? Anybody ever gotten, like, like, stuck to a lie when it didn't make sense? I mean, usually when we tell lies, we tell them to get out of trouble, right? Or to make ourselves look good. I I don't know, there's probably a couple other reasons, because it's funny. Um, Right, Mark? Uh, (laughs) um, But very rarely do we tell lies that make our situation worse. These guys told these stories, they lost everything, including their lives, swearing it was true. Why is that important? Well, it's important because Paul is talking about the resurrection. He's saying, these guys saw it. And they swore they saw it. And they lived their lives as though they saw it. Um, even when it was hard, they lived their lives as though they saw it. It is a truth. And it is a truth supported by a great deal of evidence. And the evidence is their lives. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Meaning, hey, there's like 500 guys that know about this. If you don't believe me, go ask them. Right? That's a pretty good bit of evidence. Right? Right? I mean, if Jess accidentally deletes her video, which she would never do, especially not the birthday party footage, um, a lot of people could come here and ask. They could ask Anne, And Anne would say, oh, let me tell you about the time we pranked Eric, right? Or Rebecca, who I'm sure would also really enjoy telling this story. Um, or anyone else. I mean, 500 people is a lot of folks to testify to this truth, um, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Now, apostle is a word that we throw around. Some people claim that title. Apostle means somebody who saw the risen Jesus in person. Okay, and so like there are no more apostles. They, they we just they, there aren't. The apostles were guys who saw Jesus personally um and in this instance right he says listen i'm the very least of them because paul an enemy of the church was on his way to persecute the church and jesus showed up risen from the dead blinds him talks to him and then sends him off like a new man um and in fact actually at one point in time paul was on trial in uh um Caesarea Philippi i think um and he's standing there and he says hey guys i was an enemy of the church I was an enemy of the church, and I saw Jesus, and now I'm on their team. I don't, you know, nobody switches teams like that. This is true. I saw it. Um, why does it matter? Because the physical resurrection is a huge hope, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to think, oh, well, I'll be some ethereal spirit floating around out there, but to think I will be in a body one day. I will stand on this earth, and I will enjoy God forever forever. Um, like, that is a huge thing. Um, and it's a thing that has a solid piece of evidence in the sense that it's like a physical thing that we saw and held and talked to and, and everything else. But, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God Um, is with me, whether, excuse me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So Paul says, listen, all of this truth, you can see its impact on my life and you guys heard this gospel from us. Like whether they said it or whether I said it, it doesn't matter because it is a truth that we've heard. Like Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. What do we do with that? By the way, um, being a physical reality, a historically provable fact, a truth, um, it is something to aim at. Um, And you aim at it even when you don't see it. Even when you're frustrated, even when you're depressed, even when you're angry, even when you're hopeless, you aim at it and you drive at it. It's like climbing my mountain, right? The one thing I knew I had to do was follow this path and put one foot in front of the other. And if you do that long enough, you're going to be at the top, right? Right? And you're going to run into folks along the way who are going to say, that's a bunch of nonsense. There is no top of the mountain. There is no resurrection. Jesus is a fairy tale. We can point back, well, there's history. There are real places. These were real people. There is evidence to support it. This is a true thing. And all I have to do is keep walking, and I'll end up there. All I have to do is keep walking. By the way, there's a cool bit of truth there, like in, in my experience with my brother, but also in these disciples. They would go out, like, with other believers. And those other believers, like my brother, I would stumble, and I'd get tired and think, man, I don't want to keep going, but my brother kept going, and you know what I did? I kept following because nobody wants their younger brother to outdo him. <laughs> But also, he encouraged me. I remember falling, tripping and falling over a tree root, and he came over, and, oh, you're all right. Come on, let's do it. It was very inspiring. Like, one of the reasons we walk with brothers in Christ, one of the reasons we fellowship with the people around us, even though sometimes we're jerks, right? I mean, sometimes the church can be that way. But we walk with other brothers and sisters in Christ because um, that guy next to you can stop and say, what are you talking about? Of course there's the top of the mountain. And we're going to get there. Just keep walking forward, Right? It is a wonderful thing. Actually, I was hearing Jim talk about praying for you guys, and I got to think it's got to be frustrating being in a place where suddenly there's not a crowd of people around you encouraging you, right? Or making fun of you from the pulpit. Um, (laughs) But they both count. Um, (laughs) Because there's nobody standing next to you saying, Don't worry, Jesus is still there. Don't worry, Jesus is still risen. He is risen. risen Well, we can do that louder, sure. (laughs) He is risen. Because that's something worth shouting about. Because it doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how frustrated you get. It doesn't matter if you have tears in your eyes when you say it. If you know it's true, you know where you're going. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Sometimes that's all there is. Well, isn't it sinful if I'm depressed? No. It's human. Isn't it sinful if I struggle with temptation? No. It's human. (laughs) Right? Right? The resurrection is a wonderful thing because it gives us something to aim at. Um, sometimes Christians get lost on this. They think, um, what, actually, I think the best thing Montana ever did this summer, they went through and on most of the highways, they took a grader and they put two lines on the road. You know what they're for? Chip the to chip your windshield. That's right. Also, to keep you in your lane, right? Because for some reason, the Montana roads are long and they're boring. And it is very easy to stop paying attention and drift, especially when you're texting. It is so hard to stay in your lane. And some people perceive the Christian life as a set of rumble strips. And as long as I drive between these and don't do the wrong thing enough, I'm fine. That's not what it is. You know, we are, we are heading in a direction toward a location. We're not fighting hard to stay in a lane, right? Um, I talked to Jim. I told him I was going to use this illustration. I'm, I'm gonna. And even though I've used it before. Uh, Larry taught me how to drive combine a while ago. And swather. And the cool thing about driving the swather or the combine is that if you follow the wrong point, you will make a huge mess and a lot more work for yourself. Right? What are you supposed to aim at when you drive? So, something in the distance. And you drive at a fence post. Or you drive at... Uh, you know, a rock or that deer over there or whatever, and you aim at that every time you do a line. And then, (laughs) yeah, no deer, no good. (laughs) Gophers don't work either. Um, But if you can manage to run one, (laughs) anyway. So you aim at something and you drive at it. If you follow your old line, right, you start to deviate. And you say, oh, well, this is where the line is. I'll just skirt the line. And you begin to turn and weave. And I, there are a few times I, I would drive halfway across the field, drive halfway back following my contour. Why? Because I wasn't paying attention to what was in the distance. I was confused by what was around me. Um, the resurrection is important as a historical fact and as a future reality because it keeps us aimed on that Um, It keeps us focused on that. Easter is a big deal because Easter reminds us Easter reminds us that we are going somewhere and we have to prepare on the way there. I know, honey. Um, I'm not going to finish my whole text here. We're going to do the 1 Corinthians 15 next week if you're enjoying it. I wanted to do the last half of the chapter. I'm not going to get to anyway. Um, So, I guess this is a series now. Um, (laughs) But, alright, so... We're going to kind of hit the brakes here and start applying this, okay? Um, One of the best lessons I have learned about marriage, like as a believer, right, is that I am not a man living with a woman that I am married to. I am a believer on a journey with another believer. My job is to help my wife and for her to help me be ready to face Jesus, we encourage each other to grow. When she steps on my foot, which is more often the case that I step on her foot, but I'm not going to tell her what to do because I've been married long enough to know that's not a good idea. Um, But when she steps on my foot, I can stop, I can show her Jesus by giving her grace, I can pray for her, I can walk with her, I can try and do the right thing by her, right? And we can continue to aim at being like Jesus. And in fact, actually, the wonderful thing about being in proximity to people is that all of Jesus' teachings, like Larry was talking about earlier, this, um, you know, love God, love your neighbor, it is really easy to love your neighbor when you don't talk to them. It is easy to love your family when you live a thousand miles away from them. Or so I've heard. Um, I-, I love you, Mom and Dad, if you're watching this. This is not about y'all. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I forgot we were recording these now. Uh, But it's easy to love people you don't talk to, isn't it? It is much harder to love somebody who is going to rub you the wrong way. It is much harder to love somebody who is going to be inconsiderate and selfish sometimes. Right? It's hard. It's hard to love somebody who's going to say something that hurts your feelings. It is. It's just hard. It's hard to love children sometimes. You know why? Because they won't stay in bed. And because they have temper tantrums in public. There's a real bit of work to love them then. But you know what? Like, God forms us and makes us into His people by teaching us through the people around us. Like, we are aiming at that goal instead of at the stuff around us. Because if every time my wife crosses me, or every time the neighbor annoys me, and I love my neighbors, I'm not talking about them in particular, this is the big picture neighbor, um, every time those people, if my ethic is based on what that guy did, I'm going to steer all over, and I'm going to forget that there's a mountaintop, and I'm not going to drive at it. I'm going to forget that there's a resurrection, and I'm going there. Instead, I'm going to adjust to my situation. In reality, I encounter something along the way, if I'm aiming towards eternity, if I'm aiming toward new life, if I'm aiming toward being united with Christ in eternity, like forever, then I adjust according to Christ. Then I adjust according to eternity. I adjust according to what I'm going to be in heaven forever and ever. Um, that's why the resurrection is such a big deal. Is It gives us a huge picture of what forever will be. And it gives us a picture of our current reality. I was dead in sin until I met Christ. Dead in sin. And honestly, if you meet somebody who says that they weren't dead in sin before they met Jesus... They're lying to you. And if you meet somebody who says, I don't sin anymore, they probably are either lying to you or they're blind. Because we will all forever struggle with sin. Like, it is just who we are. We live in a broken world. But the scriptures tell us that even though I was dead in sin, when I believed in Christ, I was risen again and I will be risen physically in eternity. And so I am alive spiritually, and I am putting off this dead man that was me and becoming a new man constantly, constantly. So every day I wake up, and I'm a little more this resurrected man, like becoming who I am on my way to eternity, being sanctified being cleansed, being made brand new, just over and over and over again. And the reality is, if this is true, if all of these 12 men saw Jesus raised, if those 500 people saw Jesus raised, if Jesus really was resurrected, then how it impacts my life is that I, I get to be a new man. Golly. I'm telling you as a guy who has done a lot of stupid things in his life, and I know we don't see the S word it's a bad thing. Um, sorry, kids. Uh, Abby, (laughs) Um, but as a guy who's done a lot of stupid things in my life, knowing that it's all washed away, and knowing that I'm a new man, even the moment I'm doing it, I'm forgiven and made new. Oh, that is wonderful, isn't it? Like, we ought to be singing about that every day. Like, we ought to praise Jesus that he was risen from the dead, that he took my sin, and that death is over, and that one day we'll all be in eternity with him. That is a thing we're singing about. There's a wonderful thing. And it's actually, um, this is the first Sunday of the month, and on the first Sunday of the month, we do communion on the night that Jesus.